Being an amateur scout for an NHL team is a profession that takes balls. When you're on the road trying to track down the nice. best next players for the NHL, make sure your balls are looking good with Manscaped. Manscaped has redesigned their new electric trimmer, the Lawnmower 3.0, to be the most perfect, greatest ball hair trimmer ever created. The ceramic blades prevent any manscaping accidents, and they make the whole jungle look great, while also being able to use ball deodorant and toner to make everything perfect and fresh down there. Be sure to trim that junk of yours. Keep it looking good. Your balls will thank you. And you can use code DNVR20 to get 20% off your entire purchase, plus free shipping. And Cole gets another good righty, and another right by Cole, a left by Cole this time! Tipped in front by Mika Rantanen. He shoots and scores. Nathan McKinnon. Call JT Comfer. 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog. Collective hugs. 29 and 92. Save me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon. My goodness gracious. Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits with over a thousand varieties of beer to try as well as wines and liquors from around the world that you can now pick up curbside from either of their locations, both in Centennial and in Highlands Ranch. It's very fast, very easy, and even if you don't want to leave the house, you can get it delivered as well. Just download their app today and be sure to sign up for their loyalty program to get some fantastic deals. I'm Nathan Rudolph. With me is AJ Hayfley. We've had a few of you asking about doing a bit more draft coverage lately, and Craig Button just released his new Craigslist. So even with no hockey, there is still plenty of research going on as far as draft prospects. So we figured we would jump into this one. Obviously, the big first notice of this list from Craig is he put Tim Stutzel at two ahead of Byfield, ahead of Perfetti. I don't necessarily agree with this, but I am a a known anti-Stutzel picker. So, AJ, I know you're more of a fan. I'm I'm more of a fan uh, of Stutzel. I certainly like him a lot more than you do, but I'm okay. I mean, it seems a little high. And two, it feels it feels very Craig Button. Exactly. That's exactly what I thought as well. This is his his shot that he likes to take every year with one of these guys that he puts super high. Yeah. Well, and one of the guys we talked about um, last week, Alexander Holtz. Yeah. All the way down down at 13. Which I mean, if Holtz is that low, I'm not, I'm not taking trading up out of the equation. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Jeez. I (laughs) don't know about that. Um, I, I probably actually would be opposed to that, but. Uh, Stutzel at two, I thought, you know, one, Craig being Craig. Yeah. Uh, but but two, I really, I mean, I, I like his game. I think he's explosive. I don't know. If I was a team picking in the top five, he would be somewhere on my board. If I was the team picking at five, uh, he's probably, like, my, my most realistic target. Um, 
picking it too, taking him ahead of Byfield, like I said last week when I said I prefer Perfetti over Byfield, uh, I still wouldn't do it. Like if I was if I was running a yeah. team uh, that that had the second pick, I'm I'm taking Byfield every time just to. It, the the upside is just too high. the The potential is too high. It's and I don't and I I don't think that Stutzel, like Lafreniere, is a runaway number one, uh, a special special wing prospect. And I don't know that Stutzel is quite there. I think he's certainly a lot closer to where Byfield and Perfetti are in terms of their NHL upside. And the fact that he plays on the wing, it, it just hurts him. Yeah, it just it just does. Like it's just positional value is it's so much harder to build around an elite wing. If you have an elite center already, then you're much more comfortable making that pick. You know, if that's a Buffalo there, they're comfortable making that pick. Stutzel is a guy that would be fine for them. It, it takes a truly special player to drive play from the wing and Lafreniere might be that type of player, but, those come around very, very rarely at the NHL level. It right. centers are the drivers. And you look at you look at some of the guys that you think of as as the main play driving wings in the NHL right now. You have, you know, Alex Ovechkin was a, an all time great, right? Yeah, and top of the draft guy. But then you look, you know, Johnny Gaudreau was a mid round pick. Yep. You know, Mark Stone, mid round pick. Like those are, and the interesting thing is those are three guys that go about their business very differently from each other as well. Yeah. But at the end of the day, they drive the play from, from the wall, from, from where they are. And I just, I mean, beyond those three, you have what Patrick Kane and then the list pretty much dries up. Well, and then it's yeah. Patrick Kane, number one overall pick where it's like, okay, it's you're either it's clear that this guy is special and you're taking him first or you're just getting lucky in the later rounds. Basically. Yeah. And, and you look at, okay, well, where, where Patrick Kane has gotten better as his career has gone on. Uh, he's gotten more productive, but Taves falling off. Yeah. Has, has really hurt him. Cause Taves is the center <laughs> and right. And like, this is what I'm saying. Like the, the Kane has been, exceptional over the last couple of years with Chicago falling out of title contention. They've gotten arguably their, their best production out of Kane. Yep. And it just really drives home. Like it's, this is, it's hard to do. It's very hard to build around the elite wings. I mean, you look at Kucherov in Tampa Bay, but you have multiple high end centers down there to pair him with. Well, I mean, it right. When you're drafting a center, when you're putting a center in your lineup, the general concept is that your center is going to be the guy carrying the puck. So when you have an elite winger that needs the puck like that, you kind of need a specific type of player to go with them. Yeah. So it gets very convoluted. Keeping to the draft, this exact conversation right here. Jack Quinn ranked sixth by Button and Marco Rossi ranked eighth by Button, both playing for the Ottawa 67s. Rossi the center, Quinn the wing. Button giving a lot of credit to the wing there, putting the wing ahead of Rossi. Yeah, and this is this is the chicken and the egg uh, yeah. difficulty that teams are going to have with this evaluation process. 
you know, Rossi came in with certainly a little bit more uh, preseason hype than Quinn did. Yep. And Rossi, I, I believe uh, Button on Twitter yesterday uh, compared Rossi to Nick Backstrom. And first of all, I'm high praise. Like, yeah, that's a, that's a very good center. If you're going to if he's going to turn out to be like that, somebody's going to be very happy with that pick. Uh, but has Quinn ahead of him. Quinn is the guy that poured in all the goals and Rossi is the guy who set him up for the goals. And okay, well, in some way, they're each a result of each other. You can't fully separate them, you know, like right. Duran and McKinnon back in the day, you couldn't just fully separate them. When you're playing with Nick Backstrom, you're going to score a few more goals than with playing with someone else. <laughs> right, exactly. And, and, you know, Rossi, the center, but Quinn, the goal scorer, but a wing. How are you going to, you know, trying to figure that out in, in terms of the value? This is, it's really where scouts make their money. It's really where they come in uh, clutch on uh, their evaluations of these prospects because it's very hard to do. It is. And for my money, I'd, have Rossi ahead. Uh, I do too. Dude's had 81 assists and still nearly put in 40 goals in a shortened season. I don't um, I don't know that I have Quinn in my top 10. Yeah, I I think I would agree part of that. I would have Zary in my top 10 which uh Button has at 11, but um the but other Jake interesting loves continues too. Yeah, I'd, and I'd which... have Holtz well ahead of both Sanderson and Lapierre, who we can get to in a second. But yeah, uh, some interesting picks in the top 10. Uh, he does have the Askarov, the goalie at seven. Uh, so a little bit outside the top five that we had talked about the other day. Yeah, but fairly. I think it would definitely be a conversation if, if you're a team picking at seven and you need a goalie. Um, Askarov should be a serious consideration. Um, I think he yeah. becomes a legit consideration uh, depending. It's very team dependent, but on uh, about four or five. Yeah, fair enough. It, again, it'd be, just it'd be hard to do, but right. <laughs> like, uh, to be honest, like if, if, if Byfield and Perfetti and say Rossi are all gone right then, like, yeah. You know, and you're like, God, we will like, what if that's Montreal? You know, like they desperately need a center. Your starting goaltender is Martin Jones or something, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, San Jose <laughs> would have to San Jose would have to get all, all the luck to make that happen because they don't have. Yeah, that I know. I know it would take a, a massive. Well, trade. And, but that's that's a this is actually a, a perfect opportunity, though. If Ottawa has two top five picks. Yeah. You could you trade know, one. They took they took Brady Kachuk uh, with the the pick that could have gone to Colorado. Yep, and have been very defense heavy the last couple of years, so they could just they that like the two having having that second uh, certainly two top ten picks like minimum, but very likely two top five picks. Yeah. Um, they are, that's, that's a team. Like if they end up at, at four or five and then back to back picks or something like there's Askarov, I think should be a very interesting conversation for them. Although 
they are also a team that last time I looked, uh, they do not do the Russia thing. Yeah, I don't remember them picking very many Russians at all. So it was like Alexei Yashin burned that organization hard <laughs> to the ground. All right, they so, were just like never again, and we mean it. Yeah, so the top eight pretty OHL heavy for Button, but that nine to thirteen range is is where things I think start to get really interesting. Raymond at nine, he has Holtz all the way down at thirteen, and and in the middle. Zary, who I really like, uh, Sanderson, who I really don't like. And what is it about Zary that you're so high on? Just the skill level, I think, is is super impressive. I he gets a little bit underrated in Kamloops, I think, just because it's easy to get lost when you're in Kamloops. Yeah, it's exactly. not a high profile <laughs> WHL program. You're not, you know, you're, you're not, you're, you're sort of lost in the shuffle just inherently there. You have to be exceptional to stand out. Yep. And so I think the top 10 talent is there. I think it's a, it's a bit interesting. The WHL class is pretty weak, at least at the top end this year. Uh, besides, at least at forward, they have a, a few defensemen that I like that we've talked about and likely we'll talk about again. So Zary kind of stands on his own out there, but I, I like him in the top 10 more than uh, a Jack Quinn or maybe even a Raymond since I'm not a, a huge Raymond fan, but yeah, way, I, mean, I think, I think if we were uh, pyramiding pyramid tiering this, they would be in the same. Yeah, framing. sure. The, like, like, like your poison. Raymond Holtz, um, uh, Zary, um, probably Rossi for me, like all sort of clumped yeah, together there. Rossi might be just a, like in the half tier above that, but, uh, yeah. for me, uh, but for yeah. me I, I would have Holloway somewhere in there as well. Yeah. See, I, you I like Holloway disagree big it. time on a lot of these. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but I, the interesting one here, I think the most interesting is Lapierre who only played 19 games this season at yeah. 10. And so this is a big one because it's a concussion issue. Yep. This is not like, a uh, going way back when Jared Cowan, like blew out his knee in his draft year. Right. right. And they were like, bad, don't care. Which I mean, that didn't work out great, but yeah. Well, and some of that, some of that was uh, he did rush back, and some of that was just messed it up some more. Yeah, the game, the game changed. Yep, so quickly where like that kind of defenseman all of a sudden was like, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Yeah, but nonetheless, to take a guy in the top ten where you're taking a big leap of faith on what is his sixteen, seventeen year old season. Yeah, I mean, you got to have a lot of faith there. Yeah, it's and this is this is where the uh, current sort of climate in around the world, right, where yep. the, the the coronavirus comes into play. Uh, we're not going to get any of the postseason tournaments. There's none of the U18s. None of these things, you know. Which, to be honest, like very helpful for a guy like Alex Newhook last year. Yep. Um, definitely pushed his stock up. None of this stuff that can really sell teams on on a guy like that and him being healthy and him being back. Uh, not knowing what the pre-draft process will look like in terms of combine. I'm sure they will have one. 
but at this point, I it, it's unavoidable that the pre-draft process is uh, abbreviated. Well, uh, yeah, uh, you you kind of mentioned it with the U18s. There won't be any late risers. There are no CHL playoffs for a kid to find his game and go off in. They're right. The Jonathan that, Yeah, exactly. So it's it's going to be a lot tougher than do not envy the job of amateur scouts already a very difficult job. And now it's significantly harder trying to project teenagers tough as it is. Yeah. Now trying to do it where you don't have, where where you're getting maybe uh, 70% of the information that you get in a normal year. And we don't, you know, team visits, things like that. All of that is going to have to, it's all going to be impacted by this. And whatever the scheduling ends up being, it might it might just be such a quick process that teams don't have clear medicals on a guy like LaPierre, where they are having to take a chance. You know, we're we're seeing this play out right now with the NFL. Uh, yep. The NFL draft is three weeks from uh, three weeks from this week, and teams are not able to physically meet with players. And because of that, they are not able to get medicals on guys. It's 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 uh, taking place with free agents too. You know, high profile free agents can't find work because they have to answer medical questions that they can't do right now. And for a guy like Lapierre to have him at ten, based purely on a, a skill standpoint, an upside standpoint, whatever, uh, I could buy that. Like, if you really believe in the evaluation of the player and you believe in the season that he had a year ago, like, okay, like I, you do, when we're talking about projecting teenagers, like you're taking a leap of faith there, but I would be curious if Greg Button was running a team that had the 10th pick, if he would actually do that, because it seems like LaPierre is going to be one of the prime targets here to suffer the most from the, the pre-draft process being what it is. Yeah, I think that's the question for me with LaPierre is how far does he fall? When does it hit a point where that talent is just too juicy to not take, even despite the the unknowns? So, well, let's let's just segue right into this then. If the if you know, say hockey does not return, there's there's no finish to the season. They just go straight up the board. Uh, standings are the. Uh, are what they are right now. That's the draft order. Boom, done. Uh, Colorado drafts 27th. If Hendricks Lapierre drops to 27, you take the chance? That is a question I will answer in the second period uh, as it's time to acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery as I leave you on the cliff, the official beer of DNVR. Uh, Breck Brew is an awesome place. They have their farmhouse down in Littleton, which when all this blows over, definitely should go check it out. Great it's place awesome. to have a beer and, and kick back. But in the meantime, they offer curbside pickup where you can get beer and a meal plus $5 off when you use code DNVR. So it's easy to swing by and just get what you need. You can schedule a pickup by calling 303-803-1380 from 12 to 8 p.m. every single day. And they will bring the order right out to your car. So it's quick, easy. You don't have to go out and interact, really. If that's not for you, you can always use the Drizzly app to get their 15-can sampler from liquor stores around you to get it delivered to you. So easy, quick. Be sure to give Breckenridge Brewery a shout-out. You know, I'm always drinking it over here during our watch-alongs. Highly recommend it. It's a good time. 
Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits with Rudo and AJ. Would I pick Lapierre at 27? Yep. Personally, I don't think I would. I'd be perfectly fine with it if that's the way the abs went. Uh, I think he, he does have the talent. You're in the late yeah. first taking a flyer on a guy like that or taking a shot with him. Perfectly fine with it. I think it's a good way to go. It's Big just upside move. Yeah, exactly. You're you're betting on a guy being the talent that he's shown, and and maybe he is, maybe he isn't. You, you'll find out down the line. The reason I lean away from it is because I think the Avs need to draft a D. That simple. Okay. Um. So you're at 27. You're worrying less about upside, and you're worrying more uh, about rebuilding the pipeline on defense for the Avs. Correct. I okay. The Abs have enough forward talents in their pipeline already that I don't think they need to take another big swing. They have guys like Bocage, like Ranta, that if it does work out, then kind of can fill into those roles. They even have guys like Mutala. I think that maybe will be a bit more steady options. Whereas with D, they have Hellison a couple years down the line. They have a total question mark in Zaravliov. And that's about it, as Byram is going to turn pro next year and, and Timmons not far behind. So so let me ask you this. If just piggybacking off of the uh, LaPierre conversation. Yeah. Th- if the Avs did take LaPierre at 27, mm-hmm. where do you have him rated in Colorado's system? See, that's so tough to rate. I mean, based on the talent level, based on a bit of pedigree, you obviously, well, I guess not obviously, but I would certainly put him behind Newhook and all of the Bowers, Cout, whatever, pro prospects. I, I, I don't think I can put him ahead of any of the other first rounders. That's where you get into the conversation because I probably put him ahead of Ranta and Bocage. So what? Well, that would I definitely. Be- I mean, I definitely would put him ahead of both of those guys who have still have like. like well, you put big, them at you like big, sure. big problems. You can put him ahead right now, but it's just so hard to rank a guy like that until you see his next year of of when he's healthy and and playing. Yeah, but I mean, when the Avs go through the draft process, it's exactly what you and I are going to be doing. Right. I- so. And that's why I avoid picking guys like that, I guess. Um, yeah, so I guess you'd put okay. him top three forward for non-pro. For um, non-North American pro, I guess. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, I would have him in Colorado system. It would be Byram and Newhook and Timmons. And then Timmons is pro, yeah. So. And then I would probably have Cout and then Bowers. Yeah, and then six as... And then I would probably put LaPierre ahead of Bowers. I would not. So. Given the year Bowers had, I don't think I could do that. Um. Okay, I mean, that's fine. But that's I think that's where I would put him in the system. So five, six, somewhere in there, yeah. Yeah, and that's one, that's a certainly a testament to Colorado's depth now. Yeah. Because they, 
it's three it's four been, years ago he'd have been number one basically yeah it's like a couple it's been like several years in a row the the guy that they take in the first round becomes their top guy in the system yep and now you know they're starting to get more uh as as one one person in the organization put it to me layering yeah well and not immediately promoting your first round picks helps create some layers as well. I imagine. Yeah. So. Well, and then of course, in the next two years, we expect like all these guys to graduate. Yep. <laughs> and so you're going to need the Rantas, the Anadens, the Mutalas, whatever. Yeah. yeah. The Mutalas, the Bocages, the LaPierre, you know, like, okay. All right. Let me, let me ask you. Um, okay. So your preference would be on a defenseman then. All right, so round one, they go defense. Just given how the system is set up, uh, they don't have a second-round pick currently. Correct. So do you go defense again in the third? And you just take whatever whatever's there in the third, I think, at this point. Because they'll be drafting late third. You're talking mm-hmm. about a pick in the late 80s or 90s even. Mm-hmm. that you can't really target anything in my opinion you just take whatever is the highest on your board that's there at that point okay. you want to get into the late rounds round four round five that's where you can say oh, okay we need a d now this that the other thing um in the top hundred generally you should go with the best available. The reason I specifically want a D at 27 is because I think a D is going to be the best available there. Um, it, it, crazy things can happen. If, if Holtz falls to 27, I'm taking Holtz. Like that's the yeah, weird part I mean, about where the abs pick is someone could just fall to 27 and the abs just scoop him up and take him. Yeah. I mean, you look at like Suzuki last year, Valeno yeah. a couple years ago where it was just like, I'm mean, come on. Right. Just take the dude. Yeah. Like, just you don't worry about, like, oh, your system at that point. It's like, hey, this is a guy that we had ranked in, in a way that this is just too much. Yeah. And, and and we've seen, if you go back the last couple of years, we have seen that's been an area of the draft where guys have fallen. I mean, Shane Bowers. Serious fallers. Yep. Shane Bowers was a mid-first-round guy and dropped just enough. Uh, in his in his draft year that he ended up at the end of the first where Ottawa had another pick. Yep. And that was how, you know, that's how that's how he ended up there. So, you know, I mean, Nolan Foote last year was the 27th pick. Yeah. That's it's- I mean, you're 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 talking about like some some quality guys have gone in previous years in in these areas, you know, Morgan Frost. Shane Bowers, like right, players always always fall to the end of the first round. So I can say I think the abs should take a D. Whatever. At the end of the day, when you're drafting that late, you just you let the draft come to you. Yeah, and whoever's there is there. Yeah, I would say a defenseman would definitely be priority from for me as well. Just looking at the system and saying, hey. Real like the the strength of the draft at that point could be defensemen. 
if Button is to be believed, certainly. He has three defensemen going 24, 25, 26. Yeah, and it really, those three guys are like the targets that I have for Colorado. Yeah. Gooley has been my guy the whole season, yeah. basically. So. Same. Like, you and I are lockstep on that one. Yep. So, um, but but with but Braden Schneider, Justin Perrin, if those guys are, I mean, th- those are realistic conversations at twenty seven. Yep. Um, I did think it was interesting. He's got my my guy Jacob Perot at forty. <laughs> a little like, bit right. of a sleeper, maybe. Yeah. Well, and like, uh, he's got no Gunler lower than that. Yeah, he really is not high on Gunler at all. Yeah, and that one I was like, ooh, because like that's a guy where I've seen him top fifteen on yep. other lists. Yep. And makes you wonder a little bit. Yeah. And we've seen like this as much as we like, oh, you know, Greg Button's so crazy. Like he ends up. He always gets a few right. Yep. Yeah. He absolutely ends up with a few of these uh, come actual draft day where you're like, look, look, look at that. Yep. There he went dropping or rising or, or wherever Button had him. Um, yeah. I. Can you sell me on Justin Barron? Because I am not a huge Justin Barron fan. Uh, I just, I just think that he's a. Mm, I don't want to say a prototype. That's a little strong. Um, he is more of what I think is the style of defenseman that is going to be really successful in the NHL. In sure. in a in an NHL that's emphasizing skating and and skill level on the back end more than it is just like raw like physicality and size and uh you know the the blocking shots and the you know sort of that old school mentality of like oh, I don't I don't care if you can handle a puck as long as you can get in front of one kind of thing. I think that he's just got the, I think he's got a two way. He's got a good two way game. I actually, I do really like his size. I really like it's the complete package that he offers that I think really appeals to me about him. Uh, and that, and, and that he's right-handed like, to be honest, I think that that's, that's a definitely a big deal to be a righty D in the NHL. Like, it makes him it makes him more appealing as a prospect than if he was just one of a thousand left-handers. Yeah. But like that's not going to be like a deciding. I'm not going to be like, "Oh, well, I'm drafting this guy because he's right-handed." I mean, it but might make a deciding factor for the Leafs. It just it 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 would be like, "Hey, if you have two prospects who you have evaluated as exactly the same, but one's right-handed and the other's left-handed or since that will never be the case, like they will never be the exact same." Yeah, uh, but but the right if if he's a righty and it's a lefty, like it's it pushes him into where he has a little bit of value. He has just that extra touch of value, not only to you but to other organizations. When you're saying, "Hey, you, you're not drafting a guy to trade him, but he becomes an asset for you the second that you make the pick." The right-handed shot is like the fourth tiebreaker when it comes down to things. If yeah, all and, and like or whatever. But I think I think you know Baron. He's had he's had a, a tough year. And the blood clot thing is gonna have to be figured out. He may not be able to play at altitude. So might this be may out not for even the be, regardless. Yeah. Yeah. This may not be a conversation for them. You know, this this might just be something worth like, oh, never mind. But I do 
I do think that he really fits in kind of with what they do, what they've targeted and gotten out of the good players on defense the last few years. Um, I think that he's got a good two-way game. I like the way that he sees the ice, the way that he moves the puck. I'm, I, I like his size. I, I do. I like, I like that he's a little, he would be bigger than basically all the other guys the abs have, will have on that defense, except like Graves and Johnson. So, but this is like also four years down the road where, right. Who knows? Yeah, but, you're, you're picking 27. If you're the abs, it's going to, these guys are going to take some like, time. Yeah. You're going you're gonna to be okay. Slow playing this one for a bit. Yeah. Um, um, but no, he's in, and I would not take him over either one of those guys, uh, Goulet or Schneider. Okay. But at 27, he is one of the guys that, that I will be holding out hope for because I'm just more comfortable with his game. It's March 31st. Yeah. And uh, the draft is on question mark date. So. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and when, when we get a little bit more clarity and you and I really amp up the draft coverage, this opinion might change because looking at this list, there are guys that I'm not familiar with. Yeah. Um, Some of the euros, especially it's like, it's always like that with me. Um, I'm never familiar with the Europeans until the end of the season. It, it is what it is. It's just harder to get footage of those guys from North America. So yeah. Well, and it's, and especially during season. Yeah. Where, you know, we are so busy on day to day covering the abs and right. that, even even for me, as much as I love watching the prospects and stuff, man, I've had to give up uh, watching the Eagles every single game. You know, I I, I catch about 80% of their games eventually. Um, but it's like getting into lower levels beyond that. You know, I, I only get a handful of viewings. Yeah, it, it is very much when there is a downtime thing to do. And then in the time yeah. nor in a normal season, in the time between the end of the ab season and the draft is where it's like, you go as hard as you can on, especially the stuff like the euros where I'll, I'll turn on the subscription to Svenska hockey uh, in like April or may or something and just binge all the Euro guys. And, then you get to know them. Then you kind of figure out the rankings. I do my best to keep up with North America. Generally, I have the CHL and, and, and all of that on a pretty good feel, but it, it always seems that way. Honestly, in the NHL too, you always see some late Euro risers. So, <laughs> and maybe that's the U 18s. Maybe that'll be different this year. I don't know, but having Gooley Schneider and bear in 24, 25, 26 from buttons list, I think is very encouraging for what I would like to see the abs draft. Yeah, if that's going to be how it plays out and the abs end up in that draft spot, I'm all for it, man. Um, yep. Those pick pick one of those three guys, and I'll be it'll be I'll be happy on draft day. If they pick Baron over Goulet, I'll be a little bit annoyed. But it's like, nah. Same. I was I was a little bit annoyed when they took New Hook over Krebs, but Krebs, yeah. that turned out also, okay. <laughs> but it's like I also completely understood where they're coming from, and it's like, eh, they're they both took really good prospects. Yep. So, yep. You know, and a, a year later, they're both still really good prospects. Yep, very, very true. Uh, any love for the uh, the forwards around 27 there? Seth Jarvis, Ridley Grieg, Greg, whatever. Uh, I like Seth Jarvis, yeah. Yep. Um, I don't think Seth Jarvis will get there. 
Yeah, probably not. Um, I'm, that would be like the Avs lose in the first round and they end up with more like the 24th or 5th pick. Craig is an interesting one. Uh, he helped current Avs prospect Luca Burzan drag Brandon back to not the worst team in the WHL in the yeah. second half. But it was a really underwhelming uh, group in Brandon this year. Yeah. It was not hard to not hard for guys to separate. To stand out for sure. So it's kind of hard for me to place him, but and maybe on brand for the Avs to uh to stick in Brandon as they love to do that. But we'll have to wait and see. For now, we will get out of uh, this second period here for you. Just a bit of draft coverage. We might have a bit more in the third period. Have to wait and see on that one. But Either way, when you are a prospect that gets drafted, there's a very good chance in a couple of years you are going to be entering a very different tax bracket by signing that ELC. And Symbio Tax is here to help you get the most out of your 2019 tax return. At It is that time of year where taxes have to get done one way or another eventually. So Symbio will be there to help you out. You can call them at 720-366-4470 to get a free consultation on taxes. If you have rental properties, small businesses, investments, anything like that, they can help you out in these tough times. You can call them again at 720-366-4470 or visit them online at symbiotax.com. That's S-Y-M-B-I-O-tax.com. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's with Nathan Rudolph and AJ Hayfley. We're going to set the draft stuff aside, although I suppose expansion teams could potentially affect the NHL draft as there would be more picks being made. We had a question the other day that asked if the NHL were expanded to 36 teams, what four logical cities would you pick? No relocations. Uh, what four bizarre locations do you think could make work as well? Um, obviously, first of all, Seattle would be team 32. So there'd be four more teams that, that would have to go in there. Mm -hmm. Uh, the first one that's, I think, super obvious is Houston. Uh, there had been much talk about potentially moving a team there anyway. So you could just place a new team there and 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 that one's pretty straightforward before somebody from Quebec loses their freaking mind. Uh, Houston has a long history of supporting professional hockey going back to the seventies. The only reason that they lost the arrows was because the uh, owner of the Rockets at the time absolutely hated hockey. Basically, he hated that he had to share a facility with a with with a hockey team, even though the arrows were like fourth class citizens in there in that building. Like there was no team shop. They set up an impromptu team shop for every single game. Uh, Just like a where you would go to buy your gear and stuff. And it was like, it was, it was absurd. Honestly, it was, it was, it was so frustrating. And there wasn't any green around the arena whatsoever until game day. It was all just rocket stuff everywhere all the time. Uh, There was no like admission that you would not have known that the arrows played in that building. Uh, But despite that Houston, they, they always uh, supported the arrows, they were always good in good in uh, the attendance numbers. Um, that building, when it was full, was crazy for an AHL atmosphere. It was, it was crazy. 
Um, it was Houston. Houston deserves an NHL team if they want to go above and beyond the list uh, where they are. And I am disappointed that they don't currently have hockey. So yeah, it's especially with uh, San Antonio losing their AHL team as well. And that was the big rivalry for a long time, Houston and San Antonio. I mean, that's when I mean, I we would we would drive over to San Antonio to watch the Arrows and Rampage play, and then I had to play nice with the Rampage guys for a few years when the affiliation was with the Avs, and <laughs> they ended up being awesome, so it was fine. Uh, but then you know now now it's all wiped out. They just how it goes. It's it's, yeah. just, it's really disappointing um, that the uh, the Spurs Entertainment Group felt that they didn't want to continue to support the Rampage. It sucks. Um, a long history thrown away there too. But Houston would be my number one, um, and honestly, Quebec would be my number two. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. There's been one city that has been consistently trying to get an expansion team since they lost their team, and that's Quebec. And, so. and I did not have any issues with the, with Vegas uh, or Seattle getting a team over Quebec. Vegas, I think, uh, Seattle especially, because Seattle is like a hardcore proven, insane sports yeah. town. Yeah. Vegas, obviously, that was a that was a home run swing. That was a, oh man, we're we're going to drop a team here. That's never had a pro team, like a pro, 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 pro team. And we're just going to see how this goes. And it's not like a particularly huge city. It's just known for the strip, right? Yeah. I mean, let's be honest, though. There's a lot of gambling money there. <laughs> yeah. And like there's there's a lot of money in the city uh, makes it appealing. But it was not like if you were looking at this list, it would not. If, if you were just looking at like a, oh, where do you want to put a sports team? Vegas was iffy now that it's worked with uh, the golden Knights, you know, now that, you know, the NFL is there now yep. uh, and, and there's been a little bit of talk about baseball expansion and uh, mm-hmm. there's actually a long history of uh, minor league baseball in Vegas. So that could be there too. Uh, but anyway, um, I, I think Quebec city is, is the next obvious. I think Houston and Quebec city, make the a next round of possible expansion very very easy. It would uh makes too much sense. Yeah. Even keep the the conferences even as you could go Houston in the west and Quebec in the east. Definitely. So, a lot of sense for those two to get to 34. 36 is where it starts to get interesting. My question I'm I'm torn between these two. I would add another team to California. Oh man, me too. We're going to end up way too similar on this list. San Francisco or San Diego? San Diego. Okay, we're similar. Unfortunately, we were we disagreed on the prospects. We agree on expansion, and we're back. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I agree. They already have the goals there, who get supported quite well. Uh, yep. I, I think, especially given a city that just lost the Chargers, uh, yeah. the Padres have been awful forever. Yeah. That's a city that I think is ripe to to flock to an NHL team. I would agree. The big thing there is that you would have to get an owner with deep pockets willing to front yeah, the money. Eat, eat the forecast, yeah, for sure. Because the city's not – the city just lost an NFL team because it wasn't about to get taken for a ride yep. on building um, a massive – 
you know, taxpayer funded uh, monstrosity for the end to keep an NFL team. That wasn't going to happen. So that's probably like if if somebody would want to have to have a setup like what the Cronkies have in Denver where, hey, they, you know. They basically just take over the whole sports market. Yeah. Ex- like, exactly, man. Like they roll in and, you know, they own they own Pepsi Center. Yeah. They built all their own infrastructure, you know, blah, 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 blah. All the things we know about the Cronkies. Um. That would have to be kind of the situation because the where the goals play is not acceptable for an AHL team. Not even. Remotely I don't know close. that it's really even acceptable for an AHL team at this it, point. It's it's pretty borderline to be honest. It's uh, just a really old facility that either needs a massive amount of updating or they just need to tear it down and redo it. Yep, pretty much. Uh, and like, let's be realistic here for the 34, 35th team in the NHL, you're probably looking at three quarters of a billion dollars as the entry fee into the NHL based on Vegas played paid 500 million and Seattle is 600, I believe. Yeah. So it's deep, deep pockets are going to be required here. Yeah. You're talking, it's going to be 750. It's going to be 800, 900 million dollars. To yep. move into that, to move into that next space, if the league wants to do it. The real question here, so and this this also helps keep the conferences balanced, but also helps keep the divisions balanced because I would put Houston in the central, and then you could put San Diego, yep, in the, out in the Pacific, Pacific, Montreal in the metro or whatever, or Quebec, Quebec in the metro, yeah, yeah, Quebec in the metro, and then the Atlantic. Where do you have uh where do you have your fourth team? Indy. Okay. A little bit of a difference at least. Yes. Good. <laughs> Not completely the same. Yeah. Yeah, I they have the Indy Fuel. They've had them for years there. Uh, you know, and kind of a classic city. They had the IHL team back in the day and, yeah. and things like that. So the history is there. Uh, obviously, a good sports city. Probably, honestly, could become not too unlike Denver, as as the Colts will probably always be number one there. But same with the Broncos here here in Denver. So, yeah, I, I think it would be something fine, like that. Right? Exactly. So, I think it's pretty reasonable. Well, and they've got the Pacers. It gives a little bit more. Uh, coverage to the the midwest area of the states because right now you kind of have columbus just hanging out in the middle of nowhere yeah (laughs) yeah so it is it is a little odd but it's like like there's in ohio it's yeah you know you have cleveland and cincinnati and then columbus has the nhl team it's sort of yeah it's kind of very weird yeah (laughs) yeah that's where I'd put them. Okay, I could buy that. Where are you going? Um, I'm putting my last team in New Orleans. Okay, yeah, that's a good city. I thought about I thought about some of the other obvious candidates. Uh, I really like the idea of a team in Kansas City. Yeah, you could go back to Kansas City. There, um, there was some talk about them too. The only the I mean Atlanta. Do you try that for a third time? You can't. You I just, feel like the answer man. is just it's 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 like the unofficial capital of the South, but it is a proven terrible sports town outside yep. of randomly being insane for their soccer team. 
yeah, that won it all <laughs> the first like, year. Like I don't under I I legitimately don't understand how of all the things that that caught Atlanta, it was the soccer team. Like yeah. Yeah, I would I would say if you're going to do a team in the the proper south, I get, I'm calling Louisiana proper south. I don't know if that's correct, but yeah, sure. New Orleans would be the probably the best city in that southern region that I would put a hockey team in. Yeah, and like there are some interesting like uh, there's a temptation, you know, what about what about a San Antonio? What about an Austin? You know, where they've had yeah, you know, they've had success supporting hockey there and you end up with a handful of Texas teams. I I wouldn't be opposed to that either. That would be fine. Uh if they wanted to go back out west, Portland be a, is a great city. Um another Oklahoma City, Milwaukee, both of those would also would be ones that you could sell me on making a lot of I, sense. I could definitely get sold on Milwaukee. You're not sold on OKC? Not for hockey. <laughs> I mean, I think it would just be a Western Nashville. I think it might become that, but that's another one where, I mean, that's going to be a slow burn, I think. You'd have to really yeah. build that team up. Yeah. And well, and you'd have to market it in a unique way. You'd have to, yeah. you know, the they will not have the uh, benefit of what happened with the Thunder. <laughs> Right. Where the Thunder rolled in and had a couple of Hall of Fame caliber players immediately exactly. to, to get going. Yep. Um, all right. So he also asked for some unique or unoriginal ones. You kind of rattled off a couple there. Yeah. If I had that power, I would basically just rebuild teams in the central just to make the travel less for Colorado. You could go with Omaha. You could go with Albuquerque. <laughs> Uh, you could Al- even do Albuquerque is a sneaky good choice, honestly. Yeah, you think it's, so? You it, think they support hockey? They had the Scorpions for a while there that they were crazy about, but ownership never uh, really marketed them, and they never really did anything. But like, you see how they support the Isotopes? Yeah, it's it's a. Let me tell you, I went to school in Albuquerque, man. They they're crazy. <laughs> there's not a lot going on there. Fair enough. There, you know, we people used to joke that uh, you just don't have anything to do there. You, you, you live there, and all you do is you wake up and you smoke weed. You go to class, you go to work, and then you come home and you smoke weed again. Because <laughs> so you're not so different from Denver, maybe. You're right. Like there's just not there's not a ton going on there, but there's a there's a decent chunk of people, and if you just dropped them in there, it's like, hey, they're gonna. Yeah, they'll they'll show up to whatever's happening. Yeah, exactly. Like you give them something to do and that city will show out because games at the pit, like the the basketball games there are insane. Yeah. So maybe maybe a better idea than I thought for for Albuquerque. I I mean, Um, it's an out of the box idea. You again, like I don't I don't know. Current, you know, present day Albuquerque. Is there somebody there? It has a billion dollars. Yeah, I have no idea. Let alone is willing to spend eight hundred million to buy a franchise, and then you know they're going to have to help heavily fund, uh, you know, finance a stadium or an arena, and then you know all that's going to have to go into putting in a, a, a professional team there. 
you know, it's one thing to have the isotopes where it's just like, okay, well, you know, you know, minor league ball players make nothing in terms of money and, you yeah. know, you, you don't have to have a huge facility and you, the Doesn't tickets are cheap. nearly as much. Yeah. It's, it's a lot easier to, to kind of provide that sort of unique fun experience when the bar is a little, is a little bit lower. Two other ones I would love that definitely won't happen are one Colorado Springs, <laughs> mostly because I've always wanted an interstate rivalry because those are always super heated. Uh, but there was talk of them potentially getting an ECHL team down there, <laughs> but uh, I don't think that'll happen. And two, which just will never be logistically reasonable, Anchorage, Alaska. Oh, see, okay. <laughs> I thought I I was thinking you were about on to that wild card. <laughs> no, I was thinking about building a, a regional rivalry for the Avs and oh, okay. putting a team in SLC. Oh yeah, SLC would be a very good choice. So, uh, really small market, but again, like look at how the Jazz crush it there. Yeah, yeah right. And uh, the the Utes are supported like crazy. Yep. So it would be, uh, and and it would be like a fun regional thing between Vegas, Colorado, and SLC. You know. I mean, you put a team in Albuquerque too, and you could set up your own little bead pot. You got, uh, yeah, with the Coyotes already there, and you got your four corners covered if you get Albuquerque and Salt Lake. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess I mean, yeah, close you get, enough. You get you get Salt Lake. You could just do. I guess you don't even need Albuquerque. You just do the Coyotes, the Knights, SLC, and the Avs. Yeah, that that would be the four the four squad. What would, the Rocky Mountain skate off or whatever yeah i don't I know guess i mean would... <laughs> just steal it from football and call it the rocky mountain showdown right like yeah <laughs> Fair watch, enough. watch colorado colorado state people lose their minds yeah. pretending that it's relevant sorry that's a hockey thing now yeah <laughs> i mean I, let's be real they'd probably just bring back frozen fury at that point right but... oh yeah <laughs> honestly and then the kings would get upset and... <laughs> We'd have to sit through another outdoor game at AFA as punishment. So other than that, we only missed the correct answer, which is Wood Buffalo. Um, <laughs> had to get the meme in. God. But yeah, I, I, honestly, we got a little a little wild at the end there. But th- those first four or five we went through, I think, are definitely reasonable over the next decade or two. Yeah, if they were serious about another round of expansion, I think yeah. that certainly Houston and Quebec City, they could make happen easily. Yep. If the if the interested parties were there and the NHL wanted to say, "Yeah, screw it, let's just do this," I, I think it would be it, it would be awesome. Now the question is is Man, do you want to talk about you get into 34, 35, 36 teams? Good lord, that's uh, the draft sucks at that point. Yeah, that you're you're picking 36th in the first round. That's that's brutal. <laughs> you're uh what what's 36 times 7? I'm I'm not good at math. I don't know, man. You're gonna ask me that? It's like off the I, top of my head. I got my, my calculator. Head. I got yeah. the The last pick in the draft would be 252. So It'd be you're the pushing. NFL draft at that yeah. point, which is right about 252 picks every year. Yep. 
So that that's what you'd be looking at if, if that expansion ends up happening. And that you keep in mind, the NFL draft has a billion compensatory picks that they award teams for yep. free agent losses. All sorts of crazy stuff. <sighs> um, let's see. There's one other thing I wanted to look up. Eh, all the big cities in Canada are basically around Toronto. Yeah, the the other Canadian city that I think you would hear an argument to be made for is definitely Hamilton. Yep. And like you said, like the GTA area is already like uh I, I, another team. <laughs> I think that I think that the area could support the team, but like you're it's it would be setting up like a Rangers Islanders Mets Yankees where like Clippers Lakers like somebody is always going to be the little brother and it won't be the Maple Leafs. Yeah. It just 100%. won't be. And it's like could you could you support this? Sure, maybe, but like why? Yeah. All these people are already diehard Leafs fans as it is. Right. You're going to drop a team in Hamilton and suddenly like 40 years of that is just going to disappear? Like I I don't know. I just think that Quebec City History it makes perfect sense to me. No doubt that they would be just fine supporting a team there. Yeah, but I mean Hamilton. I'm I'm a lot. I don't. You could go super bold instead of Indy or New Orleans. You could go to Halifax or something. Yeah, I know the population is an issue out there, but yeah, it's. I mean, that's as much like. Would they would they want it? Like, what about like? I don't know. Yeah, definitely. That's... A lot of problems there would there would be with that. But I'm just trying to think Canadian teams. Yeah, and um, I'm I'm sure like somebody like listening the uh, you know, well, yeah, from from that part of Canada is like Halifax would be great. I'm like, okay, like I'm I'm not sitting here saying I'm opposed. It's just. I mean, the the great thing about this conversation being in a city that pretty much has a team in the Avs locked in for eternity. Yeah, they're good through 2040. Yeah. Is cool. Go expand wherever you want, NHL. Don't totally. care. <laughs> totally. And it's like, oh, the more cities that you guys expand to, the less threat of moving. Right. It becomes exactly. for all the existing ones. Like every time, every time they expand, the Coyotes are like, "Yeah, baby, <laughs> can't move us there." Yeah, exactly. That's one less city. No, that's <laughs> exactly why the NBA is never going to go back to Seattle. Is because they will always be able to use Seattle as leverage. Yep. To to threaten to move a team there, and owners will take it seriously. Very much so. On on that note, final thoughts on draft or expansion aj uh those are all things we will talk about a lot more down the road yes again draft so, especially yep. yeah we don't we don't have to dive too too much into it but bit of a change of pace today uh after last night and me losing my mind and <laughs> you got rowdy i will be uh i will be far more uh back on earth tomorrow night although i might be crying a little bit had the happy pod now we have the happy sad pot i guess yeah um after that man we're we're, we're kind of a op- we're, we're sort of an open book of 
what to watch next on DNVR watches in terms of hockey. Uh, if you guys have suggestions, if there's anything you guys really want to watch, um, I know that you and I kind of have some ideas, but we'll also, we'll always listen to the community. Yeah. This we'll is a watch along for yeah, everybody. Exactly. Like you guys want to come and watch this with us. So, um, we're, you know, we could sit down and watch games together right now if we wanted to. It's not the point of this. It's to watch it with all of you as many as possible and to enjoy that. So, you know, uh, if there's anything that's really sticking out that you guys absolutely want uh, that we're able to get our hands on, you know, obviously we've had to live through the uh, the scratchy audio in the 2001 series. It's not ideal. It's not something we love, but it's what's out there. So, yeah, and and it's been great to relive the series and honestly after after like the second period in the first game i haven't i don't notice it anymore yeah it it very much falls into the background so the only the only time i ever notice it is when they go to commercial break and it stops and i'm like yeah and you're like oh this is way clearer all of a sudden like this is quite a bit different (laughs) um with the nhl opening up some of their stuff uh we can dig into that a little bit uh for free and and try and find some games Obviously, game 82 against the Blues, people have reached out to me and said, hey, that's one we want to watch. I'd be all for that. Watching some of the games against Calgary last year, I'd be all for that. I'm I'm all for I'm all for a lot of these things like I'm we don't know when this is ending. So we've got to come up with games to watch together. Yep, that um, the only other thing. At some point, I will be putting a survey out on Twitter. Keep an eye out for it try to have a little fun. We'll probably do some kind of abs trivia one way or another in the coming weeks. So keep an eye out for that and help participate and come up with some fun answers. Uh, yeah, I guess that's it for us tomorrow night, Wednesday, 6 PM mountain time game seven. Come watch Ray Bork be a boss with us until then we will talk to you tomorrow. As Strava says, drink deeply, live fully, Get Raymond Bork his cup. StravaCraft is a CBD-infused coffee that you can now purchase in K-Cups, as well as the original whole bean or ground options, and you can get 20% off when you use code DNVR20 at checkout. Plus, you get it shipped straight to your door quick and easy. The CBD is non-psychoactive and has been known to help with migraines, anxiety, arthritis, IBS, many other things as well. Just remember to use that DNVR20 code at checkout. Our avalanche with hayfully